If y'all would, open up to Psalm chapter 1. Um, if, if you recall with me, if you've been here for any of these, any of these lessons on Wednesday night, it's Bible survey, and we have been uh, going through it not chronologically first. Uh, we started with Genesis, the first book. Then we did Revelation, the last book, to book in the scriptures to see what God would have for us. Then we uh, went to Matthew to see Jesus particularly. And now we're in the book of Psalms. And we'll see what Psalms has to say to us. Uh, and it's something quite important. Uh, one of the most applicable books of scripture uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. And uh, it carries with it vast uh, uh, application for our lives generally and specifically. And so let's pray so we can talk a little bit about the book of Psalms. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we do come to you thankful. We come to you thankful that we have a a revelation from you, that you have uh, seen it fit to uh, reveal the good news of Jesus Christ to us, to save us, and yet, Father, also to continue to reveal and to show how we might live as we have been saved by you, Uh, to allow us to learn how to cry out to you in good times as well as bad times uh, to see how we might live our lives in a day-to-day fashion in this corrupted world uh, and yet always uh, holding fast to that sure and steady hope of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, help us to do it. Help us to see it in the book of Psalms tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the book of Psalms. Let's, Let's remember our goal first. The book of Psalms, 150 chapters. I thought we'd just go ahead and read them all right now to start. (laughs) I got some laughs. uh. (laughs) That's a good idea. You know, instead of reading them, why would we do that? Uh, We're a good ARP church. We'll just sing them. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) No, we, uh, you know, to to hold fast to our goal and to remember it, we're, we're not seeking to exhaustively cover every chapter of the books that we're in. Uh, It's impossible. Uh, uh, Weeks and years are spent on sermon series on these books that we're going through in 30 minutes on a Wednesday night. No, the goal for us is to to see how we might dive into the scriptures as a family unit or privately in our Bible studies, even in sermon series. If it were to come up, uh, hopefully you would at least be able to recall some things that are spoken of here tonight. Uh, Maybe if you're a note taker, you'd be able to jot some notes down on your handy dandy handout. Uh, If you would look at that handout with me, you'll see that there's a couple differences and might just draw your attention to them now before we kind of go into some of the more nitty gritty details about the context and uh, uh, connection of the Psalms. You know, uh, if you'll see here, it's, it's typical. We've got theme, connection, and uh, a context, but the solid rock verses, if you flip over, are color-coded. I'm really stepping it up this, uh, this time. Don't, don't think this is going to happen every time, but, but it'll be very helpful for us. And you'll see why as we, as we dive in to the book. But uh, before we do that, you know, the genre of psalms, well, uh, the genre is, is song. It's praise. In fact, you know, psalms, psalmos in the Greek, it's song, Hebrew, Tehillim, uh, which is also praise. Uh, uh, there's a, a, a nice quote in a, in a book that y'all don't really care about, uh, but, but it's a good quote, and I'll tell it to y'all. 
Uh, it, it's from a, an old man in the 16th century, and, and he said that, you know, the book of Psalms, you know, the praises in, uh, that it's named after is nice because you don't just see uh, people uh, in joyous exaltation on Sunday mornings. What you see in the book of Psalms is kind of the underbelly, the darkness, the sadness, the anger, the frustration, as well as the happiness and the joy and the contentment and the excitement. Uh, you see this full spread of emotion and you see praise in all of it. Now, that's a big deal. How do we praise when we're angry? How do we praise when we're sad? Uh, it's a big deal for us, and we'll see that. Uh, so the genre uh, is song. It's worship. It's praise. But, but it's a little deeper than that, and we'll see that. The compilation of the Psalms, and this is all kind of written on this handout, and so I'll go briefly and quickly through it. But, you know, the compilation, it's a, it's, I use that word purposefully because the authors are many. David, the king that we find, the first king anointed there after Saul uh, was rejected. Well, he was also a songwriter, skilled in playing the lyre. Now, he, uh, he, he wrote about probably, I'm not going to give an exact number because I don't know, but half, half the psalms uh, are attributed to him in some form or fashion. And you see that in the titles. Uh, if you just flip a few pages maybe in your Bible, even Psalm 5, you see, to the choir master, for the flutes, a psalm of David. Uh, David wrote many psalms. Uh, other authors that you know have some one-hit wonders, maybe as it were. Uh, Moses has one, Psalm 90. Uh, Solomon has one as well. We see uh, uh, the sons of Korah. We see Asaph, who was known to be the choir master uh, in that time during the the worship. And, and, and so we, and also some untitled. Uh, and, and so the authors of the psalms are many. The compilation, when did it happen? Well, uh, it's another uh, uh, area of debate, probably after the Babylonian exile. If, if you recall your Israelite history, uh, you have the, the good and solid monarchy that plays out for a very short time, uh, just one king, two if you want to include a little bit of Solomon, uh, and then uh, things start to go downhill. And as things go downhill, judgment begins to ensue. And as judgment begins to ensue, uh, people are taken away. The country is lost. Uh, enemies are victorious. And uh, the Assyrians come in and then subsequently the Babylonians. As there is total defeat of Israel and Judah. And they're in Babylon, the temple totally destroyed. What are they to cling to? Well, they're to cling to the good and solid word that they find in song from their first king, King David, and that king that David pointed to, that Messiah that is to come, that hope that they had. So they were to sing these all the way up until the time of Jesus and even after. So we see them compiling these songs. It, it's important to note maybe right now, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but you know the, the psalms are compiled purposefully, just like the rest of Scripture is compiled purposefully. You know, for instance, we were in the Gospel of Matthew just last week. Uh, Matthew is not necessarily chronological in all areas. Matthew is recording the events that he wants to record as he records them. Uh, John does the same thing, Mark and Luke as well. The Psalms do the same thing. Just because Psalm 1 is Psalm 1 doesn't mean it was the first Psalm ever written 
uh, in, in the canon of Scripture or something like that. Uh, Psalm 1 has been placed there particularly for us to see first and for us to hold on to as we continue to read. And so it builds. Psalm 2 is just as important as Psalm 1. Then we transition into Book 1. If you notice, if you're still on that front page of the Psalms, you see Book 1. Well, there's five books of the Psalms. Most people, conservative scholars, attribute that to uh, the the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, That's loose, uh, you know... it's loose. There's no kind of particular, yo, we're in, the, we're in the Genesis Psalms now or something like that, but that's what most scholars think. Uh, I, I prefer, instead of books one through five, which you, you can see if you flip through them, I, those are good to know because they're, they're like that, but I think the, the order is good for Psalm 1 and 2 as well as 150, but... As we move through it, and you'll see this, the categories are more important to identify. And within the categories, maybe we'll just go through a few of them uh, very quickly. Look at your solid rock verses with me, if you would, on your handout. You'll see a few. I've listed these verses here, and I've color-coded them that we might see it. Within the compilation, there are these categories of psalms, these songs that have particular themes. Uh, If you look at the red, for instance, lament, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus says this on the cross. It's a psalm of lament, Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Psalm 88, likewise, O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face? From me. Likewise, we see thanksgiving. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. That's Psalm 1. Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Let us come into the house of the Lord with thanksgiving. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. We see these thanksgiving. Love of God's law. Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Uh, royal or messianic. Psalm 2. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Capital S. Today. I have begotten you. Uh, likewise, we hear that in, in the Gospels, right? Uh, God the Father speaking that to the Son. Uh, and it goes on, confession of sin and, and, and prophecy. And we'll see these as we go through. But these, this, this idea of the, of the categories of Psalms, and these are not exhaustive, uh, I, I find are perhaps a better way for us as believers and us as uh, readers of Scripture, which which is the goal of what we're doing, is trying to uh, learn how we might dive in in a better way. I find that as we loosely categorize these psalms uh, while we're reading them, it, it, it provides a sense of structure as we flow through uh, what God would have for us uh, in these psalms. Now, another important facet of the psalms, and I mentioned it a little bit uh, just before, is, is emotion. The Psalms carry with them a, a, a depth of emotion that you find elsewhere in Scripture, and yet there is a sweetness to it in this book. Uh, you know, song and poetry, uh, you know, this, they are poems and songs. They, 
they kind of innately carry with it a, a different writing style, but this writing style lends itself uh, to emotion. Now, we are in a Reformed church, and there are jokes about Reformed churches, if you're familiar with the Reformed faith at all, uh, that says that Reformed people remove emotion from their faith. They look at it purely intellectually. And because of that, they miss out. They miss out on what the Lord would have for them. Well, maybe some Reformed people do that. But all in all, the Reformed faith, that is the biblical faith, those who hold fast to Scripture, uh, see the Psalms as so vital uh, that they usually have Psalters. And those Psalters are sung in public worship together. And they're sung in their families. Uh, they, they recognize that this emotive quality of the book of Psalms is so unique uh, that it bleeds, as it were, into the rest of their faith in, in a way that um, sticks to you. It, it's, your, it's your faith uh, perfectly emotionalized. You know, at times we can have uh, uh, emotive qualities to our faith that's sinful. Uh, we get angry or frustrated uh, in our sin or something like that, and, and we... Uh, we end up being prideful or we end up uh, neglecting uh, our fellow brother or sister. But here we see in the book of Psalms, emotion played out perfectly. As we now kind of dive in, uh, maybe a good way to, to see this will be with laments. Uh, you know, joy is, is one that we kind of like, right? Uh, we can sing joyous psalms, and we can sing joyous songs, and we can find our joy in the Lord, and our comfort in the Lord. In the Lord. We can come into his presence with singing. Uh, we, can, we can see that, that the, uh, we taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, his salvation brings uh, joy into our hearts, and, and, well, what happens when we start to suffer? What happens when we wake up in the morning and we don't have that joy in our hearts? Uh, this is a very real reality for us, particularly in this sinful world uh, where the corruption uh, of, and suffering of uh, you know, physical ailments, uh, we see our intercessory prayer list, for instance, and, and all of the people who are going in for surgery, all the people who are uh, recovering from physical ailments, those who have mental uh, uh, ailments as well, who usually don't tell anybody but struggle with it. Uh, these things are very real. And if you're not experiencing them, I imagine that in, in your family or in your close friend uh, group or in your workplace, you've seen this happen, uh, a, a depth uh, of sadness and despair. Well, we see these things play themselves out uh, in the Psalms. Maybe we'll go to Psalm 88 if you would flip with me to Psalm 88. Maybe a good place for us to go. Uh, there are many. Again, please recognize this is not exhaustive in the least. Uh, it's a little overwhelming if we were to think about it that way. But uh, this, this paradigm, as we see with these six categories, as we look at some of these things, will help us uh, as we move through it. Psalm 88, if you're there, you see with, with me. This is, I have written here, this is real life. This happens. And this happens more, I think, than sometimes than when we feel the joy uh, uh, that we so, des so much desire as we come to worship and as we gather together. Well, 
Uh, we see in Psalm 88, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You know, lament sometimes is discouraged as we come to the Christian faith. We think that if we're sad, if we despair, that, that we are somehow wrong or that we are betraying our Lord. Uh, because, of course, Jesus saved us. We should feel happy. But uh, that's not how it necessarily plays out. Uh, we have moments uh, of trial and moments of despair. Even sickness can, can put us into a moment uh, where we cry out like this, what in the world is going on? Lord, help me. And yet you still feel like you're running up against a wall. Psalms of Lament. You know, one of the reasons why we sing the Psalms, and I believe before we sang Psalms, y'all correct me, but at Centennial, I, I believe before the singing of the Psalms, there was also a, a reading of a Psalm. Uh, you know, so there was always kind of this Psalm incorporation uh, in our order of worship. Uh, I, I, it's very obvious why this is the case, and, and it's because in the Reformed faith, we see something in the Psalms that we don't often see elsewhere in Scripture, uh, particularly, which is this, this other array of emotions. Uh, you know, people are sometimes uncomfortable with this when they come to our church. They're uncomfortable with the Psalms. And the reason why they're uncomfortable with it, I, I don't think it's because it's, it's put to music and they're not used to singing Tyre, for instance, T-Y-I-R, you know, the place Tyre and Sidon. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily think it's because they have to sing the word Tyre. I think it's because as they're looking to those words and they see that there's an emotive quality here that they're not familiar with, with the Christian faith. It's a real thing. Uh, these emotions are felt by everyone, uh, but Christians have an answer for why. It's because there's sin in the earth, and we look to a Savior who, who comes and who enters into that, who takes our sin and who dies for us, and yet Jesus is on the right hand of throne, uh, the throne of God. He's interceding for us, but he's coming again, and until then, those things are still playing themselves out. There will be no tear of sadness but there are tears of sadness now. And so when we sing the psalms, and when we read the psalms, and when we, when we hold fast to that in our worship, uh, we see something that's so often different from our traditional hymnody or modern hymns uh, as we see them, which there are some very good ones, but typically they remove themselves from lament and sadness. Now, I was referring to Jesus. This, I think, is where we need to park ourselves. You know, the, the entirety of Scripture is about Jesus. Psalms is no different. Uh, the book of Psalms, we, we see uh, uh, so many things about Jesus. If you look on your, your handout, you see the, the royal or messianic Psalms. Those are, those are particular Psalms that speak uh, 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 kind of in this very obvious terminology. I, I, 
you got to be careful how you say these things, but I'd call it first among equals as far as revealing Jesus. Uh, a good one is, is uh, we'll go to Psalm 23. Everyone knows Psalm 23, right? Well, most of us know Psalm 23. I don't want to say that everyone knows it. But, you know, Psalm 23, that lovely psalm that we hold fast to often the, and, and for several different reasons. The, the first line, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We see in scripture Jesus say he is the good shepherd. We see in Ezekiel that there are bad shepherds and that there are good shepherds coming. And that good shepherd ultimately is going to be Jesus who changes hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, who quickens bones, dry bones, into live human beings. Uh, We see that the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, Another one is, is Psalm 103. If you go to Psalm 103. And these, these are about, particularly about Jesus. First among equals, if you will. Uh, Psalm 103, uh, I have written here, but, but in its entirety, it, it's, it's this reality of God saving. And God saves uh, through Jesus. And we see as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. We see verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all, not all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. The Psalms are particularly about Jesus in certain areas. Uh, And then there are ways where we see Jesus revealed, uh, but we see it revealed in a very unique way, that emotive way. Uh, We see confessions of sin, like Psalm 51, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. This is David crying out after he sinned big time. And we cry this out as well as we sin. And we see our need for Jesus. We cry out to cleanse uh, me from my sin. Psalm 32 is another one. I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. We see it elsewhere with the love of God's law. You know, Jesus quoted scripture often. He quotes the Psalms often. Uh, but, but there is a, a, a unique moment where uh, as Christians, we do have a joy for God's law, but, but we don't just love law because it's law. We're not lawyers like Dan. Uh, I'm just kidding, Dan. Uh, yeah, like Mike. Um, and Mike's just shaking his head. Mike's like, yeah, I do love the law. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but we love the law because it reveals Jesus. Uh, you know, the Psalms are about Jesus, and we see it in these different categories. Uh, but, but these categories are, are very revealing. Uh, and and, you know, uh, Jesus, as I mentioned with Psalm 22, uh, used the Psalms himself in suffering. Uh, if you go to Psalm 22 with me, you'll see Jesus quoting it, but it's also about Jesus. It fulfills a couple different things. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried this out on the, on the cross. Uh, that's verse 1. Uh, but if, if we go down, uh, we see that in, uh, for instance, Verse 18, Psalm 22, they divided my garments among them, for my clothing they cast lots. It's prophetic in the fact that men actually did this to Jesus. We see it playing out in the New Testament. We see a prophetic nature uh, to these different Psalms. Uh, So that's another category. You know, as we... As we look and as we sing, as we try to dive into these, as these psalms, maybe you know, some Bible readings have a psalm a day or something like that. 
you know, these categories can be helpful because as we begin to identify what it is that the psalmist is seeking to do, we can also enter into those things. We can pray as they are praying. We can hold fast to the emotions that they are holding fast to. If we store these things into our heart, uh, we can remember and know where we should go when we're feeling lowly, uh, uh, in despair, or when we're feeling uh, joyous and exultant. Uh, you know, to go to, to go to Psalm 23 to know that the Lord is my shepherd is different than going to Psalm 100, for instance, uh, where we serve the Lord with gladness and where we come into his presence with singing. Uh, we we uh, have this ability as we learn and, and dive into the Psalms to know where to go uh, uh, with our emotions. Now, I'll maybe finish our, uh, our, our last portion here with a, a few applications. Uh, you know, Psalm... The Psalms, I, I don't want y'all to be overwhelmed as I kind of list out these categories. You know, some people, some people say there's 150 categories because there's 150 Psalms. I said there's six. Others say there's eight. Others say there's 12. But as you read them, I think these six will help you at least to see that, uh, that as you move through these applications that I'm about to give you, that there is a way in which you can... Uh, actually know what the psalmist is, is saying and is emphasizing. Uh, and, and so, you know, with, with this reality of emotion, with this reality of emotion, it can be overwhelming. You know, I'm struggling for words because because suffering is real. And it's hard to talk about. You know, it's, it's a dark world that we live in. I get calls every day from y'all. Y'all don't always get the calls back. You don't know who's on the prayer list and who's on the longer prayer list. Our session knows a lot of them. Uh, it's a dark world that we live in. And it's hard. I know that a lot of y'all uh, are, are in hard times. And that you are struggling with different physical and emotional and spiritual ailments. And, and you struggle every day. The Psalms, they're a book of the Bible. It's a compilation of, of praises unto God for us in those moments. In your real life moments. I'm not, I'm not belittling the rest of scripture. Don't hear me say that. But I ramble because, because in every single category, the Psalms speak to us on an emotive level. The rest of Scripture does, this, does a similar thing, but the, Psalm, the book of Psalms, it, again, is a first among equal in this category. It, it breaches into something that we Americans, especially in the South, don't really like to talk about, which is our deep and heartfelt emotions that we like to hide. Our fear and our doubt and our depression, our nervousness and our despair, even our joy, even our heartfelt joy that we sometimes want to hide because we don't know how other people will react. The book of Psalms, as, as we march through laments and thanksgivings, and you know, kingly, messianic psalms that speak particularly of Jesus. 
and psalms that talk about the law of God, and psalms that prophesy very particular things that are to come. As we, as we read all of these things, and as we see all of these things, there's this moment where it touches your life in the moment, that day, what you're feeling, as you go to work, as you go home to your families, as you recognize your shortcomings with your families, as you recognize your shortcomings at work, and as you recognize your shortcomings before the Lord on Sundays and on Wednesday nights uh, when you're praying or whenever. The Psalms are an intimate moment uh, for believers as we come together uh, communally to sing them, as we come together with family members or by ourselves. It's an intimate touch upon uh, our um, emotions. And as we feel those, those emotional touches, and as we begin to work through these uncomfortable moments, perhaps, or if they're not uncomfortable for you, uh, maybe, maybe a better word would be very revealing. As you are laid bare, as David is laid bare in Psalm 51, for instance, as he writes a psalm, after sleeping with another man's wife, killing her husband, and failing utterly as a king. As we have those moments in our life where we come before the Lord, uh, as we have moments in life when we're walking up the hill of Jerusalem, as we see in some psalms, uh, Psalm 122, a, a psalm of ascent, as, as we see uh, we're walking on pilgrimage to come to the Lord's house, we say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. As you want to cry that out, uh, whatever emotion you're feeling, as it's laid bare and, and it's opened up to the Lord, deficiencies and all, there's a moment uh, where you grow uh, uh, much deeper spiritually because of your emotions. The Reformed faith holds fast to that because we hold fast to the Psalter. But the people are just like people anywhere, not desirous to air out that kind of stuff before others. What makes our community special is that as we do come and we sing the Psalter together, as we share our faith on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings, as we share our testimonies with one another, as we pray for one another, as we care for one another, well, we bear these things out to one another. And there's a true intimacy of emotion, unlike anybody in any other community that y'all know and that can be known on this earth. You know, this emotion, perhaps the biggest one is suffering. You know, we see joy, we see these other things, but suffering is hard, but suffering happens. Jesus suffered. In his darkest hour, he cries out a psalm. God the Father had forsaken the Son. And he cried out a psalm. Psalm 22. And he knew the whole psalm. You know, and at the very end of this psalm, they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. Jesus knew the whole psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is only the first verse. There is much more to it. And at the very end, the last words... He has done it. Jesus came on a mission to save his people. And, and as Jesus, 
as Jesus enters in uh, to this and as we recognize Jesus as our Savior, and as we see the good news of Jesus laid before us in the different books of the Bible, when we come to the Psalms, we see the good news and all the emotive value, all the emotion that's, that's wrapped up and balled up, as it were, uh, uh, like a... <clears throat> Like a nuclear reactor. Uh, it's, emo- it's perfect emotion. And as we dive into the Psalms, we begin, to, uh, we begin to unravel and reveal to ourselves how we might be emotional creatures called by God and do it rightly in a world that does emotions wrongly. It makes other people feel uncomfortable when they come into contact with us and they see true love and when they see true care, and when they see true lament, and true sadness and sorrow. You know, when my wife and I, when we lost our first daughter, sang the doxology there at her funeral, there was true emotion there that can't be felt any other way. We praised the Lord. We praised the Lord at a funeral. And at every funeral that we have at the church, they are believers. We praise the Lord. We can sometimes go through the motions of that, but the Psalms open up for us what emotion really uh, resides within moments like that, where the rest of the world ignores and tries to move on and tries to cope to their own destruction. The Psalms help us to see this reality in a clearer and perfect sense, a perfect rule of emotional practice. You know, as we, I mentioned that we, even in great moment of great grief and suffering, praise the Lord. We must recognize that that comes from the Lord. And so with joy, we praise the Lord again. And do you see how that plays itself out in the Psalms? You know, we'll end like this. I know that tonight I was rambling a little bit, uh, but to be honest with you, it's because I'm kind of emotional, because I've been reading the Psalms all day. Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's got me kind of balled up a little bit uh, because, it, I mean, it's, it, it is so emotive and it's so real. Not to say that the rest of Scripture isn't, but Psalms is the first among equals where when we, when we go into them and when we hold fast to them and when we cling to them, we begin to see and to feel in a way uh, that is perfect by the Holy Spirit. Uh, a good way to see this is Psalm 1. We'll, we'll end with this. <laughs> I really am sorry. I've been rambling a little bit, especially at the beginning. I, I'm, we'll end with this. Uh, you know, Psalm 1 and 2 are very important for the book of Psalms. Psalm 1 and 2 are like a, a compass pointing you north. Remember this. If you remember nothing else, remember that the Psalms are perfect uh, as a perfect rule for emotions. Remember that. And remember that Psalms 1 and 2 are the compass for the book. If you remember nothing else, remember that. Psalm 1 and 2 are, are, are the compass of the book. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
You know, blessed is the man. Again, as far as emotion go, we skip over these things. Blessing. What in the world is blessing? Particularly when it comes uh, uh, to uh, the deity of the universe. Uh, well, there's blessing when we don't walk in the way of this world, but we walk in the law of the Lord. We see that the wicked are not so. We see that they uh, are left to their own devices. Verse 6, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 1 reveals the major theme that will go through the rest of the Psalms. It's this moment of praise mixed with the law of God, which reveals the salvation of his people through righteousness, which we cannot attain on our own, and yet which the Lord is in control of. Psalm 1 asks, uh, in in our minds we should be asking a lot of questions, because we wonder, how can we walk in the way of righteousness? We are sinners. Well, Thankfully, the compilers of the Psalter felt the same thing, and so they put Psalm 2 next. Uh, Remember, Psalm 1 and 2, the compass for the Psalter. You know, why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Well, it goes on. The Lord kind of revealing himself, verse 6, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. This is the voice of Jesus. This is the voice of the Messiah. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Here it comes. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So Psalm 1 says, the way uh, of the righteous is to delight in the law of the Lord, to walk in righteousness. The Lord is in control of that. We see the wickedness playing itself out in this world, and we feel it every day that we're in the world. We feel it, and we may lend ourselves to despair, and yet Psalm 2 comes, and we see a revelation. We see the revelation that a son is coming. And not only is that son coming, but all these, uh, all these earthly powers are going to bow a knee. More than that... Uh, The wickedness, as it is subdued, in the same same vein, at the same moment, those who take refuge in this son are blessed. So how can we be blessed in the righteousness? How can we see what the Lord is revealing? We can see it in the son. And and then from Psalm 1 and 2, uh, all the way through, all through these six categories, all through five books, all through 150 chapters, we see These themes play themselves out in particular facets of emotion and particular facets of emphasis all the way until 150, where we bookend it with simple praise. You know, as we march through the entire Psalter, if you were to read it, psalm after psalm, if you were a monk, say, in the medieval times, you would sing them all in a single day. It was one of their practices. And as you sing every single psalm, you would finally come to the last book, book five, you know, the the kind of 
uh, last little chunk of psalms, and the, the majority of them are praises. We end right where we began. Blessing the Lord for the righteousness which we desire, which we don't know how to get, until Psalm 2 where we see the Son, where the Son uh, 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 blesses us when we take refuge in Him. And as we march through all of these emotions, we finally come to that last part of praise. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp, tambourine and dance. Strings and pipes, sounding cymbals, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, this moment of praise that we have uh, can only be found. True emotional praise, not Sunday morning praise when you're not thinking about it. That true praise when we're thinking about it, when we're self-reflecting, when we're desirous, only can come as we're looking to the sun and as we seek to take refuge in him. Uh, these bookends help us to see all these categories and, and how we march through them all. Psalm 1 and 2, they're a compass. They're a compass to help us to see the rest of the psalms play themselves out. You know, as you dive into them, I know choir's about to start. As you dive into them, remember, remember my words about the, about the emotional quality and, and the emotional revealing that the Christian will go through. Uh, I, I don't get lost in my own ramblings. Read the Psalms. And as you read the Psalms, remember that. Remember that they will reveal your heart to you. And that as the Spirit works, it, it will be uh, uh, like a refining fire. It will be like a furnace. Uh, and yet, as you come through it, you will only come through with praise. Just as the Psalter ends, you will only come through with praise. Because uh, through all the despair and the sorrow and the sadness of this sick and warped world, uh, all our emotions playing themselves out on a daily basis, uh, uh, being different in the morning and into the evening as we play through this whole life. And as we come to a close, just like in Psalm 150, all we have left is praise for the Lord for what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. Remember that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, thank you that, uh, that you work through uh, uh, humble and, uh, and lowly mumbling men. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we look to your word, uh, which is uh, clear and decisive, uh, is revealing and beautiful, uh, Lord, that we would see Jesus. And as we see Jesus, that we would hold fast to him uh, in all of our emotions that we feel this side of glory, because they are many anger and sadness and despair, uh, a, a questioning heart. Lord, help us to uh, uh, have our emotions revealed to us, the sinful side of them, the perfect side of them. And as we continue to dive into the Psalms as individuals, as families, as a congregation, when we sing them, as we continue to do this, Lord, reveal our hearts to us. Reveal uh, what you would have us uh, to feel appropriately and rightly in your name and for the honor and glory of Jesus uh, for great things he has done for us, namely salvation. Lord, help us to see this in the Psalms. Again, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.